This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukraine hinted that its forces were responsible for Tuesday's explosions at a military base in Russian-occupied Crimea, located far from the war's front lines. A presidential adviser, Mikhailo Podolyak, predicted more such attacks. Separately, the self-proclaimed leader of the breakaway Donetsk region in eastern Ukraine pledged to develop, quote, equally beneficial bilateral cooperation in a letter to North Korea, which in July became the third country in the world to recognize the separatist-controlled region's independence. Israel and Turkey agreed to restore full diplomatic ties, ending a long standoff. Ambassadors will be reinstated for the first time since they were expelled in 2018 over the killing of 60 Palestinians by Israeli forces during a protest. A visit to Turkey by Israel's president, Isaac Herzog, in March marked the beginnings of a thaw, followed by a pledge to discuss restarting direct flights by Israeli airlines. Mike Pence, America's former vice president, asked Republicans to cease attacks on law enforcement agencies over the FBI's investigation into Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's home. Many in the party have raged against the raid, with some calling to, quote, defund the FBI. Mr. Pence called these, quote, just as wrong as calls to defund the police. He also said that, if asked, he would consider participating in the efforts of the House Select Committee investigating Mr. Trump's role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Dozens were feared dead following a large explosion inside a mosque in Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan, during evening prayers on Wednesday. There was no official word on the number of casualties or perpetrator. Last week, Islamic State claimed responsibility for the assassination of a prominent pro-Taliban cleric in a bomb attack in Kabul. Rochelle Walensky, the director of America's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, called for a reorganization of the public health agency, given its clumsy response to the COVID-19 pandemic. An external report found that public messaging was often confusing and recommended that lab data and scientific studies be published faster. Uniper, a German utility firm, reported a staggering loss of 12.4 billion euros, or $12.6 billion, for the first half of 2022, pointing to Europe's worsening energy crisis. The company, which is Germany's largest importer of Russian gas, attributes over half of its net loss to the reduced gas flows, which have forced it to cover the shortfall in the spot market at higher prices. It received a 15 billion euro bailout from the German government last month. China will send troops to Russia to participate in Russian-led military exercises, China's defense ministry said. The joint war games, located in Russia's east, will also involve Belarus, India, Mongolia, and Tajikistan. China's participation in the exercises, said the ministry, was, quote, unrelated to the current international and regional situation. And fact of the day, 400,000. A conservative estimate for how many hectares of Britain's land are taken up by private gardens. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Turkey sets foot in Ukraine. Turkey's president has been immersed in the war in Ukraine as a mediator. But on Thursday, Recep Tayyip Erdogan will visit the country for the first time since Russia's invasion. In Lviv, a long way from the front line, 
he will have his first face-to-face -face meeting with Volodymyr Zelensky, his Ukrainian counterpart. Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General, will also be there. Turkey has won kudos for brokering, along with the UN, a deal between Ukraine and Russia to restart grain exports through the Black Sea. Turkish-made Bayraktar drones have also helped the Ukrainian army push back the Russian offensive. But Mr. Erdogan is performing a delicate balancing act. On August 5th, he alarmed Western governments by meeting with Vladimir Putin and signaling that Turkey was open for Russian business. As for Mr. Zelensky, he will want to probe his guests about expanding the grain deal into a wider negotiation to end the conflict. He will also bring up the risks around the Zaporozhia nuclear power plant, Europe's largest, where fighting has sparked fears of nuclear disaster. A new look for Estee Lauder. The past year has been hard for beauty firms, including Estee Lauder, which reports results on Thursday. The American company has been hammered by lockdown-induced slowdowns in China, which by last year accounted for fully 36% of its revenues. Estee Lauder's stock has shed a quarter of its value since the start of the year, and further decline is expected. It may be time for a bolder look. Estee Lauder's past strategy has been to acquire minority stakes in smaller beauty companies. But its eyes are now set on Tom Ford, a fashion brand worth $3 billion. Should it succeed, the acquisition would be Estee Lauder's largest yet. It would also be its first foray into luxury fashion, following the footsteps of L'Oreal, a rival cosmetics giant which bought Mugler, a perfume seller, in 2019. Tom Ford's luxury cosmetics range could help Estee Lauder strengthen its position in the fast-growing prestige beauty sector. It would also boost its top line and brush off some of its upsets in China. Serbia and Kosovo try, again, to find harmony. On Thursday, Alexander Vucic, the Serbian president, and Album Kurti, the Kosovar prime minister, will meet Josip Borrell, the European Union's foreign policy chief in Brussels. The most important issue is the contested status of a proposed association that would grant some autonomy to Serbian-majority municipalities inside Kosovo. Tensions are once again rising between Serbia and its former province. One of the triggers was a decision last month by Kosovo's government to oblige Serbian citizens traveling to Kosovo to receive temporary ID cards in place of their passports. Serbian officials protested against the policy, and it was eventually postponed, but not before social media exploded with rumors of a Serbian invasion. NATO soldiers in Kosovo have a mandate to defend the country. That makes an invasion highly unlikely, but the same goes for political progress. Mezers Kurti and Vucic loathe each other, and ten years of EU-sponsored talks are no longer producing results. Few think this round will be much different. Adjusting England's A-levels 
During the pandemic, 18-year-olds in England were spared from sitting A-levels, the usual school leavers' exams. They were judged instead by their teachers, who marked their charges generously. Grades shot up, even though most pupils were learning less than usual. The government wants to correct that trend this year. A-level grades released on Thursday are, in aggregate, likely to be lower than those doled out during the pandemic. But grade boundaries will be set so that this year's cohort still does slightly better than those who last sat these exams in 2019. Even if bringing down grades is sensible, it will be a jarring adjustment for students. Many will have done worse than their teachers led them to expect. Universities that took on more students during the pandemic, thanks to those inflated grades, are now trying to correct that swell by offering fewer places this year. And the return of rigorous testing will only highlight uncomfortable disparities between schools that managed to cope during the pandemic and those in which a lot of teaching was missed. Humans are destroying carbon dating. When carbon dating was discovered in 1946, it revolutionized archaeology. The technique relies on the principle that living things absorb atmospheric carbon, including carbon-14, a radioactive variant. When an organism dies, its level of carbon-14 begins to fall as the isotope decays. So, the remaining amount detected in a relic, accounting for the concentration in the atmosphere, can yield an estimate of the time that has passed since its death. But human activity is rendering the method useless. The end of above-ground atomic weapons testing has seen carbon-14 concentrations in the atmosphere fall from their spike during the Cold War, and surging carbon dioxide emissions dilute its concentration even further, so that modern objects have the same levels as those from 100 years ago. This makes it harder to date anything from human remains to aged whiskeys. By 2050, scientists reckon a modern item will have the same carbon timestamp as something from the Middle Ages. Carbon dating will soon be retired. For now, it will simply be replaced with guesswork. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which musician left Buffalo Springfield to join up with David Crosby and Graham Nash. Thursday. Under the imperial system of measures, what unit was equal to one seven-thousandth of an avoirdupois pound? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Kofi Annan, who died on this day in 2018. The world is not ours to keep. We hold it in trust for future generations. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. 
You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.